Hey, it's your girl Dara sitting here with a mic and a glass of wine, talking to some great friends about some interesting topics. Thank you for tuning in to My Voice with Dara and Friends. Hey, 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 what's up? What's up? Hey, 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 it's your girl Dara D in the building. It's your girl Dara D, she caught them feelings. It's your girl, Dara D, coming in the house, doing what she do, put the words out of mouth. I'm trying to come sit down tonight. I'm trying to come stand up tonight. That's the kind of confusion I'ma bring tonight. Cause niggas don't know that I like to do it right. I move my ass to the left, move my ass to the right. I try to do it real big and I do it real right. Because I like to, listen. What's the deal, yo? It's your girl, Dara, and you are listening to My Voice with Dara and Friends. Dara and Friends. Dara, 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 Dara. Drop that bass. Okay, so the bass is not going to drop, but listen, I hope you guys had a great weekend. And above that, I hope y'all have a great week coming ahead. I hope that you are focused and ready. You know, it's Monday. And Monday, for some people, is always the most, like, because y'all done relaxed the whole weekend and you kind of really don't want to get back into the vibe of working and going to the traffic, you know, going through traffic and having to deal with these mumps at your job. Like, listen, what I'm going to tell you to do right now, if you're listening to this on the way to work, what I want you to do is don't close your eyes because you're not really supposed to close your eyes while you're driving. It's kind of fucking dangerous. So don't do that. But what I do want you to do is I want you to take a deep breath in through your nose and take a like just take everything in you and just blow it out through your mouth and let yourself hear like all the sounds of your your body makes and and reconnect yourself with your body. So what you're going to do at this point, you're going to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. You have just breathed in the prana of the universe, that nice, good, natural, like beautiful energy. And what you have did was release that negative nature or negative um, uh, vibing, um, emotional stress that you have within your body. You release that out through your mouth. And so listen, that's, you know, that's how you keep your body flowing in good energy, people. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. You breathe in that good prana and breathe that other bullshit out. So anyway, I'm glad you guys came back to listen. Today I have a really, really good episode for y'all and I hope you like it. I interviewed um, one of the, like New York's finest is what I'm going to call her. She's definitely New York's finest. She's an amazing, amazing friend. I've known her since, uh, listen, I'm going to tell my age on this one. Or no, y'all already know my age. I've known her since she was, um, since me and her used to work back together when I used to do uh, digital media at Esquire. (laughs) Um, And we actually met the same day of our interview. Neither one of us knew that we both was going to be getting a job. So anyway, we found out later that we both got the job and... We enjoyed, you know, talking to each other and vibing with each other and come to find out she's actually, you know, one of the people that I just can't seem to let go of in my life. We didn't even work together for that long as I found out a little bit into an interview. But listen, Sheena is an amazing, amazing journalist, writer, and she's living this fabulous New York life and... Needless to say, I'm very proud of her. I really wanted to interview her back when I was doing the, you know, my Phenomenal Women of December month to get you all hype for the new year. Um, Because I look to Sheena as one of them people who basically set out to do something and then she just fucking does it and does it in the most amazing way possible where she's just fabulous doing it. She looks fabulous doing it and she's just carrying herself in one of the most respectful and inspiring ways that I can just imagine. So anywho, she's the she is. Let me get her title right because, I, don't, you know, I want to put some respect on her name. She is the senior editor of Footwear News up in New York. She has come across some big names. She sat down and interviewed and toasted champagne glasses with some big names. And she actually has a very, very, like, cute story about, you know, Rihanna and um, the girl from Orange is the New Black. 
as the interview, you know, goes on, I want you guys to just kind of listen to what she has to say. You know, she's from Bahamas, so shake your little rumpa. And Sheena is, she's a mommy of one of the most adorable redheads ever. He is so adorbs. And what I love about women who knows their place in this world is that when they have to attach family to it, they still know their place in this world. And I feel like Sheena does a great job at knowing who she is and knowing how to maneuver in this world. Um, so I want you guys to listen to this interview. To follow Sheena, please go to at she is so Sheena. So that's at she is so Sheena. And you spell Sheena S-H-E. E-E-N-A. So that is at she is so Sheena. And then also go and follow Footwear News on all those media platforms. So I'm telling you, like, she's doing big things and she's going somewhere. And I am so proud of her. Go, Sheena. Go, 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 go. And also, don't forget to follow your girl, Zara at My Voice Podcast on all social media platforms. That is at My Voice Podcast on all social media platforms, Twitter, IG, Facebook, all of that gorgeous stuff. Okay. So listen, I was sipping on cupcakes, uh, Malbec wine, and I have never had, I'm not really a cupcake brand drinker, so I've never really had cupcake brand. However, I bought some cupcake brand Malbec. And I promise you guys, I instantly fell in love with this wine. At first taste, I was like, bitch, like this is nice. The aftertones of the fruity flavors after, I was like, yes, put it together, make it happen. So Cupcake, listen, holla at your girl. <laughs> I loved it. So I'll probably be drinking that some more, y'all. I'm be honest. I might have to move that white Merlot to the side for a little while. And I always enjoy catching up with my girl Sheena as she sat, she sipped on her her cab. I'm not sure what brand it was because she never did tell me, but she was sitting on some Cabernet Sauvignon, and I was sipping on my mall back. So y'all enjoy this conversation. What's the dealio? I'm sitting here talking to an amazing, amazing friend of mine from uh, oh, should I say how many years ago? No, it was not old. Oh my goodness. Um, I want to say we met a while ago at a job that I had when I was doing video production. And Sheena is from the Bahamas. So we have some island style here tonight. Can you, you know what I meant to ask you a while ago? Can you wind? I know you used to take Billy. Can you wine like dutty wine and all of that? I've never been like seeing you dance. You've always been better than me at all of that. You're you really from like you're from Jamaica and I'm like from like Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> not Iowa. So, uh, something that's not that does the whining is not the where where is that? Right. Oh, <laughs> you're so silly, Iowa. So Sheena, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? and what you do now and then we'll get into some other stuff like like give us your title who you are things like that yeah so i am the um senior business editor at a fashion magazine in new york listen to that and, title huh i said listen to that title does it sound fancy yes it's fancy fancy um so i work in um so I work in the fashion industry. I write about footwear. So I work for a footwear-focused magazine, Footwear News. And I focus on retail, um, brands. I go to a lot of um, fashion shows, and I look at product before it comes into the stores. And, um, yeah, I do some celebrity stuff, and I think that's it in a nutshell. Is there something else? Like, is something no, else? that's pretty good. That is pretty good, because I... <laughs> I've been doing that for about, what, four years now? I just hit my four-year anniversary of being in this job, and I love it. It's, it's, I think it's, my, it's what I was meant to do. I would definitely agree with that. I feel like anything in fashion was definitely... Oh. It, it had Sheena's name written all over it. Like, from the minute I met you... First of all, let's, yeah, let's go back to that. No, oh, actually, oh. what are you sipping on? Let's tell tell the people what are you sipping on. She's in oh. New York, and she has her glass of wine. What are you sipping on tonight, Sheena? A little cab, a little cafe. Okay. okay. I'm sipping on a Mobac, actually. So, oh, a nice, smooth Mobac by... Um, it's the Cupcake brand. So... Oh. 
It's really smooth, and I love me some Mobec. I love Mobec, and I love Zinfandel. They kind of give me that same, like, little vibe or whatever. Okay, so now let me give y'all a little history. Me and Sheena met first day on the job that we was both going out for. Um, we was both sitting in the waiting room, waiting to get interviewed for a position called Digital Media. Well, no, we actually re- they renamed it that, Digital Media Specialist. I don't even remember. Is that what it was? That's exactly what it was. I remember because I put it on my resume so much still. And I don't even know why the hell I do that. But anyhow, um, yeah, we met. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, dang. Because I think you even told me like you had a bachelor's degree at that point. You didn't have your master's yet. You had your bachelor's degree. And then you were just like, she was, we both kind of connected at that moment. But then I think we connected even more. Like, once we realized we weren't going against each other, we was actually going out for the same job and was going to be working together. Yeah. So, that was pretty fun. It was pretty exciting. I think it was a little bit of, like, up and down. Like, is she? Oh, yeah, people, it's, it, that's, that's you. Mm-hmm. I remember what you were wearing. Were you wearing, like, a white shirt? And, was it? My, I'm stalking. Oh, that's not like a stalker. No, I but I was going to ask you, what's your, when is your birthday? March. It just, it just passed. I'm a Pisces. <gasps> You're a Pisces. You're a water sign. Yeah. Oh my, I love, I'm finding out I love a whole lot of Pisces. When is your, happy birthday. Thank you. You told me. I, I did. I do, I do remember putting it up there now. Like, happy birthday, Sheena Bina. I do remember saying that like you on your Facebook. But, um, yes, I'm finding out I really love Pisces. Oh, do you? Yeah, I get along very well with my mom. You already knew that, though. I get along very well with my mom. She's a Pisces. Um, my best friend is a Pisces, uh, you're a Pisces. There's a guy that I'm really, really close to. He's over in Afghanistan. He's a Pisces. Like I'm realizing Pisces just might be my thing. I might need to go find me a man that's a Pisces. (laughs) You know, Pisces are just good people. I'm biased, but I've been very much so. I would agree with you with that. But they're like thoughtful. We're like a thoughtful, authentic people. Like give you, like we wear our heart on our sleeves. Our downfall is that we're sensitive. Like I really am a Pisces through and through. Yeah, I would have to like my my summation of what a Pisces is. Y'all very down to earth, bougie people. And every time I realize, <laughs> every time I realize who's a Pisces in my life, I'm like, you you fit the description. Very down to earth. Wait, well, what is down to earth bougie? That's not, that's like an oxymoron. It is, exactly. So I think because, my, like I said, my friend is in Afghanistan. He always be like, I'm not bougie. I just like fine things. But it makes sense because all of y'all are the same. My mom's the same way. Y'all like the finer things in life. Y'all just like quality. Y'all like things like that. But y'all not snooty. Y'all not stuck up. Y'all don't look down on people. You don't hold your nose up in the air. Things like that. Like, y'all really down to earth. Y'all can have good conversation. You know, y'all get along with a lot of people. You're in touch with your feelings. And you kind of understand where people are coming from without feeling, making them feel like they're below you. Like, beneath you. Oh, I'm loving this conversation. So, am I right? Yes. This is 100%. <laughs> We're beautiful, amazing. I have, like, a couple more adjectives and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what it is that you, like, what's some of the glamorous part of your job that you do? I know you spoke a little bit about going to fashion shows and things like that. Like, can you name drop a little bit? Can we do some name dropping? Because, I mean, name drop. I you name posted drop. some stuff that I'm like, okay. Maybe if you if you lead me, you lead the witness. <laughs> All right, like, well, let's, let's jump right into it. You met old girl from Orange is the New Black. Oh, Dasha? Yes. See oh, what yeah. I'm saying? Look how she's like, oh, Dasha? Very like... Oh, she, she was so sweet. I have a story. I, this is a good one. I, if you, for a name drop, I, so when I met Dasha, I met her on like, I was interviewing her on a red carpet, right? And we just connected. Like, she just was like, it's like someone that you meet that's like your people. Mm-hmm. So I was interviewing her and then she's, she was like, oh, I like your freckles on your nose. Like, who says that? Like, who gets... <laughs> notices that anyways so we were talking she was like i love shoes i have i should come by uh and do something with you guys right so i said yeah that would be cool so i set it up that she would come to our studio we would do like she would bring all of her like favorite shoes and come by and when she came by it was right before our annual awards where we give out like fashion awards for like shoes and i just said oh i think we're gonna give rihanna an award 
this year for her shoes. And she was like, if you get me to meet Rihanna, I will be forever indebted to you. So I, so I got her. So we did this whole thing, this Facebook live. She brought all her shoes. We talked about it. And then I got her an invite to our awards and I introduced her to Rihanna. And there's a picture of Dasha Polanco and Rihanna, like, hugging and like doing this whole thing and Dasha posted like island gals and all this stuff like at our awards and then she sent me a brown like a, a like a case of brownies the next week and was like thank you so much for making my dream come true oh I'm about to cry no I mean in a sense of like that's and when I say cry is because more so I'm looking at my Sheena Bina you oh. know and the mix of all these people where she belongs because yeah. I I remember working and in, in Esquire and saying like everybody knowing Sheena does not belong here and I, I'm not saying that anybody else did I'm just saying like you you know it's like certain people you know and that you are around that you're like nah sis like you don't we, even we both felt like that about each other like we were both there definitely like, something to do like one of my friends used to say. And it's probably a common saying now, but he would always say, like, you have to do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. Mm. Like, I think we both recognize that that was a season for right. that. Like, this is kind of like, and like you said, like, it's on our resume. And believe it or not, like, so I don't know how much you've talked about this. But we were editing. I don't know if your followers know, your listeners know. We were editing court videos, right? <laughs> you know how many times something from that will come out in my daily life, Dara? Like, all the time, like, something like, uh, when I do, like, I, I write a lot about retail, and someone will go bankrupt, right? And we'll talk about, like, oh, is that relevant? And I'm like, I've seen, like, video, like, court depositions where they'll ask about email in 1992. Like, you better be careful. Listen. And, it, it, like, everything I've done has not been by accident. Like, sometimes when you do it, it feels foolish, but, like, there's so many little things we learn from that little BS job. No, I agree. And, and franchises, and even us today talking about it, like it's always it's meant to be, you know. Yeah, I totally agree with that, one hundred percent. And even the part like about how it still comes up today, because like yeah. even working in real estate, like people are always ta- trying to understand like this legal part of it, and can I get in trouble for this? Like I'm dealing with a situation right now where it's like, leave me out of it because yeah. I want no parts of that. Yeah. It's like a little, it's like our little crash course in law. Like, I know, I don't, like, I feel, I feel like a lawyer. Like, I'm like, well, you can't do that. Because if they, if you get called to court, they're like, how do you know this? I'm like, I did my bid. So can you ever, like, like, let's, let's think back. Can you ever imagine yourself making 13 to $15 an hour ever again? <laughs> no. The funny thing, we were having this conversation today at work, I was talking about like how, so I, I was, I was interviewed for another publication today for like a story that they're working on. And that happens from time to time. And they were, we were talking about like when these companies go bankrupt, right? Like Payless went bankrupt and like, do you know the, the kids store Jimbery? Oh, I used to work there. They're bankrupt. <gasps> Going out of business. I, I used to work there. They were so fancy, smancy, and you put all the little pieces together. I used to work for them. Wow. So they went bankrupt, and they're going out of business. And, like, when you go bankrupt, right, like, you have severance, pack, severance packages for your employees. Mm-hmm. And sometimes throughout the course of the bankruptcy proceedings, you might decide, like, oh, we can no longer afford to give to put $3 million aside to pay all these people that we're letting go. And well, they took it back from them, essentially, with the story that broke. And so me and my managing editor were having a conversation about the fact that I think that it's, it's that you can't. And so the CEOs and stuff, when this happens, and I'm not talking about Jim Barry anymore, but generally speaking, when this happens, they still will take their three million dollar payout. But they'll but they will, will cut it from the employees. And so my coworker was saying, like, you know, but imagine the lifestyle you get accustomed to. Like, we might, because we've never made millions of dollars, it's easy to say, oh, well, I would never, like, I, how could you take $3 million and know that your all these employees don't get anything? And he was like, it's hard to sacrifice that amount of money when you're used to making it. So we were talking about that, and I'm like, you know, 
I don't think I could ever feel like that. I don't care how much money I have. Like, I can't, like, see that many people go without without to, and take home $3 million or whatever million. However, to your question, I can see how something I would have worn 10 years ago, I catch myself sometimes. Like, I'm like, ooh, who shops there? And I'm like, well, well you Yo. did. You did, ma'am. Like, I, and so you thought you graduate from stuff, you have to, like, stay humble. You know? Wow, yeah. You know what? I was you thinking. And sometimes a lot of things in life, like a lot of negative traits, a lot of things that you don't want to be, take a conscious effort. Like sometimes it takes a mm. conscious not to be jealous. The people don't want to talk about that. They want to pretend like it comes natural. Like being self-aware is like that. Like I catch myself. I'm like, you know, you know, you know, do not need to turn your nose up at Forever 21. Because I remember a time when your whole closet was Forever 21. Like I had to tell myself that. Sometimes. I think that that's a really good point, though. Like, that is a really good point to make. The fact that we sometimes don't even recognize that we are now starting to look down on things that we used to do. Because I know, like, for me, I, you know what was humbling for me, though? Having to yeah. having to go work at Olive Garden, like, right after my divorce. Well, right, uh, bef- right, right when he left. Because it was right before the divorce, but it was right when he left. And I had to go work at Olive Garden. Girl, do you know, I'm, I was making 10 dollars an hour ten dollars an hour and i had not made ten dollars an hour since high school or something shit yeah it was high school because even in college i was making 12 13 so to be making 10 i was you talking about being humbled baby man listen but you know what it can happen at any point in your life for any reason but that's why i talk about being conscious like i don't think that i don't want to make it more spiritual than it needs to be because I think good things happen, bad things happen to good people all the time. And I think if you don't make a conscious effort to be humble, I think outside of your situation in general, like life will take you there. Like if you can self-correct, yeah, do that. Although, you know, like I said, it doesn't always mean that you don't always deserve it when it happens, but I do find that if you can humble yourself as you're better off, so to speak. I think that's really cool though. Um, and that's one of the things I used to really love about you anyway. Is that, wait, first of all, do you remember, right, do you remember our discussion? (laughs) (laughs) Discussion, that's cute. (laughs) That's cute. Do you remember our discussion about, what was it, qualified? It was the argument. An argument about the word qualified. Right. We're talking about. I I still, like, I still want to use the word discussion or discussion. (laughs) Uh, it, it it was it was what he was it was a very uh, aggressive discussion about <laughs> the word qualified, but it, it stemmed back to us interviewing together. Day mm-hmm. and this was months later. We were just chatting casually, and this was like turned up there. I don't know if Dara still turns up like this. I do. But it was, but it was like I, I we were like casually talking, and I was and we were saying like, oh yeah, what was your first impression? of me when we walked into the interview together, right? That was the idea. And you said, I just was like, you know, it didn't matter what you was going to do. I just, when I walk into the interview, I'm, I know I'm the most qualified person there. And yeah. And I, that's, uh, that was that, that's that confidence is what they yeah. say. You got, you got to tell yourself something. So you believe it. It was like, and I get now what you were saying at that time. I can say this. and I don't know if I've ever said it to you before. Like, I think, my perspective was was a little more of my immaturity then. Like, I don't I, see, but I, I beg to differ. I think it was more so because of your journalistic uh, like background. Yeah. You was more like the word means this, so yes. you cannot be this if you're not this. So right. in your mind, you was like, nah, son. You can't just you feel. Can't. Like, <laughs> you can't feel because so you was you said that you like I'm the most qualified person. That's just my attitude, and I was like, well, what if I had a degree in legal, I got, I was like a degree in legal reporting or whatever. Like if I had something that was so specific to this job, how could you just feel more qualified? Right. And you were like, well, cause I just feel that way. And I was like, no, 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 but Miriam Webster, <laughs> 343 qualified means, but, but I'm saying now that like in hindsight, like I realized it was immature because I look back at that time, and now we can, we can say our ages. Like I was twenty one, you were twenty eight, and you had you were a mom, 
and you were at a whole different place. Like you had like an after I had Quincy, I was like, oh, like we weren't really we were friends, but I didn't really get you. And I also like mentally a twenty one year old and someone that's like married with a child is whole different place. Yeah. And Age wise, like twenty eight is close close to thirty. Twenty one is closer to nineteen. Like I was just not. I thought I'd get God if I didn't. So like the argument that I had, even if the word choice, there there was some credence in what I was saying. Mm. I had that argument if I was a mom too, like you. Like if I was, I would have just seen like, oh, I see what you're saying. Like when you're coming into a job and you have a child at home and a husband and you're twenty, you're my, you're yeah. I'll, I'm the most qualified person in here. I, I would have understood what you were saying. And my, like, preoccupation with the meaning of the word was a little, like, more immature. That's what I mean. Like, it was But see, what I love is that even in your explanation of this, you've used, like, three big words already. <laughs> and I just love it. Like, I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, but because I'm really good, like, and I teach my daughters this, because I'm really good at listening to sentences, I'm really good at whether I heard the word or not, based off of the way you use it, I can make out what it means. Context clues. Yes. Con- and I'm, I teach my children yeah. that all the time. You don't have to know specific, a specific definition if you're listening to what people are actually saying out their mouth. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about um, when you left Esquire. Oh, yeah. How was that? Wait, when you left, what was that? Like, you left to actually go do school, though, right? To grad school. Well, so some of the things, like, that I can't take full credit for being that, or oh, I'm so, I was so bold and outgoing was like, I kind of had, my hand was forced a little bit with what I was going to do at that juncture. Cause I, you're, I know you, maybe you remember vaguely, like I'm, so I'm from the Bahamas and I was here on a student visa. And when I came to Esquire, we met each other and I was doing video production. I had like a one year work permit. And that was coming up to expire, and I had to make a decision whether I was going to ask Esquire to, like, sponsor me, and I was going to work there for that, or, like, pursue something else, or go to school and, like, make another, like, extend my student visa out. So, like, it wasn't like I was so outgoing that I just was like, this is not for me, I'm leaving. Like, I had a little, I had, I was at a crossroads, I made a decision that I'm like, I don't, I don't see a future here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take another path and go get a master's. So to me, it was to like to demand more money. Eventually, <laughs> that was one reason. Listen, to get and then also like I I I, I like the idea of I like the idea of just being more educated. And I, like that degree to me was a game changer. I don't I'm not the person that recommends that everybody should go out and get a bunch of degrees. I think if you have another path to be successful, you don't have to go into debt. Or put your parents in debt, like, and you see another way. I think that's fine. I'm not an intellectual snob. I don't want to just like, oh, everybody should have PhDs and everything. But that, to me, those two years, especially of getting my master's, I learned so much. Like, I would not, that was invaluable. I would Mm. never, so I made that decision. It was tough, like, it was tough to leave Atlanta. Because I went to Atlanta with this dream of, like, being in like the black media mecca that's what i was thinking so like stepping away from that was tough um going to school again even though i i'm saying i appreciate it was tough i was talking to but that, isn't that where you met your husband or no not at that program okay Boom, no, I'm playing. you said what uh, so that was my other bay. uh <laughs> No, I'm kidding. But at that program, you know, my first semester, one of my classmates uh, committed suicide. (gasps) I was just talking about this today at work, like how taxing uh, grad school is for people and and like people that go into medicine and like or get PhDs. Like they they started to have it now where they have people get like counselors or they give you mandatory counseling when you go to those like very aggressive programs. But that was really that was tough. It was tough to leave, like, the working world and feeling like... Because especially in creatives, in the art world, in the art, like, the arts, you you can kind of, like, work your way up without extra education. Well, so I, like, in the arts, yeah, I agree. But in journalism, I think that yeah. that's um, one of those shaky grants. Because you can if you're interning at the right place. Right. But, again, that's one... I think that those that's one of those ones that can either or. 
it can. And I, and I think my masters made me better at my job, but the the challenge is kind of getting in the door to prove that you're better. Mm. Like, you know, like sometimes when you lose two years of work and you come in with a master's and it's like somebody else worked at a, a big brand and they're not even that great. <laughs> I hate to say that, but there's a lot of people that know how to get into big brands. But you moved up once you got there kind of quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, I did. I think but I think that's what is getting in. Like journalism is like that. It's getting in the door. If you are good. You get in the door, you will be great. Yeah. Like the, I think I've, I've seen it a lot, like more often than not. If you can stay the course and wait for that opportunity, it usually it usually pays it off. Mm. Like Ladies the, and gentlemen, what you heard in the background was just the noisy streets of New York. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I heard that. I don't know if they heard that, but I know I heard that. So loud. How There's was that transition? I was made for New York. I know that. Like, I, there's a picture I posted on my Instagram a while back where I was like, um, I came, I was like here, like when I first was interviewing, like, you know, when I got married, my husband was working in sports production. He, we moved to Connecticut first, which was like, so we were like an hour and a half outside of Manhattan. We would come on the weekends. And I took, we were going on the subway one of my first weekends when I started looking at jobs. And there's a sign, it was like, made for New York and I took a picture in front of it and I captioned it like tailored like and like the, uh, like a few months and I was pregnant with my son I just got and found that out and a few months later we made the move to New York and I got my job wow either way speaking of, I interviewed for this job while I was like I just had my not he was a few months old but like breastfeeding him in the car in a snowstorm and I ran up and did that interview I don't think I ever told you that story yo talk about serious motherhood yo that was that's the real balance and you know it better than me but child please I'm like at a point now where um like you know I post those little sticky notes on my mirror and I'll take a picture and I, I try to basically the things that I feel like I'm working on, I could share. Maybe somebody else needs to work on it too. But now my new thing is like there in my head, there is no balance in work life balance, work life, family balance. Ha- there is no balance. You just, you're really honestly just juggling at that point. It's like, okay, well, what am I doing now? I'm working on this. What am I doing now? And I'm working on this. And then when you mix a dream or a, a high expect, expectation goal or something like that in the midst of that, oh my gosh, you're talking about a whole nother ball game because yeah. I'm, I'm mixing in mommyhood and I'm mixing in their schedules. Cause you know, tears also just made the chair team. So I'm mixing in their schedules and I'm doing real estate and now I'm trying to grow my podcast. So it's like, all of these different things and still trying to have a social life, which I've kind of just threw that to the wind. I'm like, man, fuck that. I'm just not even going to have a, mm-hmm. wine, wine during the pod, podcast. That's about, as that's social. about as social as it's going to get now. Like, okay, so we're going to pour this wine up and this is me sitting at a restaurant with my homegirl Shane and catching up, you know, and that's how I do it now. And it's like, and I, I think I've kind of had to let go of that work-life balance idea. Yeah, I, I agree. I was saying this the other day to another. We were talking, so we have this issue of our magazine called Women in Power. And I was like brainstorming with one of the other editors about themes for this year's issue. And I said, you know, let's not even, like, I, I think public discourse is, has come to the point where we work like balance almost has a negative connotation. Like, like this whole idea like that you can do it and what are the tips to do it is almost offensive. Oh, we because we all know it's not really it's not real. Like I agree, we're not really in, in balance. Like someone said this to me, I think last year. Like balance is that means that you're trying to like one thing is supposed to be weighted against another against another, and that's not really how life works. Like you do what you can do exactly, and and I'm a, like to me I'm a believer in intention. Like that's if I'm being making a concerted effort to do the right thing to be a good mom and to be a good good at my job that's all I can do like I, I this sounds bad but let the chips fall where they may like you ha- you get to that point where it's like I'm not really trying to please anybody when I'm at work this is my best tip that I tell people I'm at work that's it that's and when I'm at home I'm at home 
like that I don't do the whole thing like I some new moms like you know they get the nanny cam more that that works for you it works for you I don't want to do that <laughs> laugh at me I don't do that like I'm not at work with like my phone propped up watching my son at daycare I ain't got time no, I'm not gonna lie. Like I did it with, I didn't do the nanny cam with Teresa, but she was at a daycare where they had the nanny cams in the rooms. So, but you and you could log on and see them. If you, if your mind is so split, you're not fully productive where you are. There's no such thing as balance. Mm. But you hire, you do your best, you do the best you can to hire the right people. And to that you can trust your child with and make good decisions. You pack them a good lunch. You do, you know, when I was, I breastfed him for almost for a year and a half. I, I pumped when I all day, I did all that. Um, and that's it. I passed out y'all. I passed out. Mm -mm. (laughs) But yeah, I did that. And I'm like, that's the best I can do, but I'm not going to be at work all day wondering or calling the daycare every five minutes. Like, if he was sick, I left work. I'm like, I'm look, my son's sick. I'm gone. So, what was the deciding factor for you then when you were breastfeeding at work? Well, pumping at work was it was it for you the same reasons for me as like, you know, I just want to be fully present while I'm here, and I need to stop, or did you just feel like okay, well, enough is enough? You know what? So I didn't really at work. It was not that I don't. I I started that job breastfeeding. So I didn't know it any other way. So it was like almost like it worked out for me that I didn't have that. And people, because I spent the first nine or ten months in my job as a breastfeeding mom, there was a go-in joke. They didn't recognize you without a breast pump. Like everyone was like, oh, this is you. I didn't know what you looked like without a breast pump. So that kind of worked out. The reason that I really stopped was I got sick and I couldn't take, like for a lot of times I would try to like make do because I can take certain medication and I had like a stomach, bu- something that I had to take, like a sinus infection or something that I had to take antibiotics and I couldn't be, I could not breastfeed it if I did that. And I was like, well, look, you've sacrificed enough. Like I had like colds and coughs and stuff and I couldn't, and I would never, I would be like, oh, I'm just going to drink lemon and honey. And I was like, all right now. You, I'm not doing that no more. Like, and so I decided to take the medication. So I almost had to stop cold turkey. Uh, like, and I has I don't even know. It wasn't like a big thing, but whatever it was, they were like, well, it's going to go in your breast milk. So they're like, you could like pump for the next week while you do this just so you can keep your supply up. But I'm like, he's like, he got, he has a full mouth of teeth. He's eating chicken. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, like, like I'm saving my newborn, you know? That felt kind of stupid. I was like, I'm not gonna sit around for a week pumping to to make sure I have a book supply for a kid that's almost two. Was there ever a time in your transition from college to journalism that you felt like it was not like it? The, like the struggle was just that deep that you was like, you know what? At some point, I'm just gonna say fuck it. It came close to that. You know what? When it comes close to that, and I say that to anybody that has a dream, is when the people around you maybe. You people around you never believed when the people around you that once did start to to wane a little bit. Mm. Like, say who, but some of my like closest loved ones that were, that had a lot of faith that I was gonna like you know coming from the Caribbean too, like oh you're gonna we know you're gonna be something. And then they start saying things like why don't you see if Macy's is hiring for sales associates. <laughs> You know, they start, like, throwing little hints out there, like, maybe it's time to throw in the towel. Not Macy's. Macy's. You know, it might not have been even been Macy's, but something like that. People like people that I felt really um, believed in me and whose opinions I valued, and I still do, um, started saying that stuff. That was a tough time when you started hearing that. But... But it's also that you, I, I recognized, so I, ne- I never felt like that completely what you described, because I recognized right away that, like, God put the dream in my heart and not in theirs. So mm-hmm. as much as they saw, like, what they perceived to be my talent or, you know, my academic achievements, they just didn't have the passion that I had. They couldn't feel it. So I didn't let them saying mm, why don't you take apply for this job or see if this place is hiring determine like ultimately the passion was in me and i think you know when you have a dream when no matter what happens if there's something inside you won't let you let it go 
you hear like you hear it, like they've written songs about it. It's a common thing, but it's real. Like there was something inside me that would never let me get to the point that you just described. It was always like, mm, yeah, everything looks really bad, but I just know it's supposed to work out. You just know. So, I one hundred a thousand percent understand exactly so, that feeling. I feel that feeling. And not just when it comes to podcasting and like when people, people always ask me, so like, what are you hoping to accomplish with this? What do you mean? Like, what am I like? You think that this is it? And even if it was, I'm still happy doing this. But at the end of the day, like I see bigger, like I see this vision and it's like, nah, like I, I see something and I'm like, I'm going towards that. So I definitely get that. And then. Even when, if I take it a step further, I, I think I, even if you bring it out of the realm of I'm trying to achieve a dream or a goal or I'm trying to accomplish something bigger in life, I think even with the little everyday um, you know, problems that we go through, when we're trying to attain that dream, we can either let those little problems like blind us, hold us back, or you know, stop us from what we're doing, or we can go... Well, you know, I'm st- even even in these little problems, I know it's still going to work out. Not only is the bigger dream going to work out, but these little problems are going to work themselves out too. So like that kind of gives you that extra, you know, like oomph to keep going. It's like, well, this is not going to be a big problem. And I, I think for me, knowing that every problem that I've ever encountered, I've overcame already. So even the new ones that's coming in, it's like, okay, you'll two pass. So it doesn't get me down. You know what I'm saying? It might get me down in that second, but I don't let it keep me down that's maturity and that's wisdom like you start learning what you can counter like when you're like that's when I was talking about being 21 and you were 28 like I didn't even know what I was capable of at that age like you just don't like you Mm. a season you and you're like this is the end of me and you have four more of them seasons and you're like oh okay that's what that that's how that that's what that is that's what that worked (laughs) you feel like this is the end of the world and you get through it but, like, when I think about all these young people today that are, like, giving up and throwing in the towel and mental health of young people, like, I don't know where we've dropped the ball as a society, but a lot of people, it, it's, you don't always see it when you're young, but I think it's ap- epidemic rates now. Mm. You're a young person, you just can't see beyond your high school or your college. Like, this is the be-all, end-all. Like, c- could you imagine if you gave up at college or... But we gave up up at Esquire. I can't. You just because, but now we know better. But you know, getting young people to see that is so hard. So what's next for Sheen? I mean, because you your your starting title was what? I was associate business editor, and now, and now you're senior business editor. Senior emphasis on the senior. Damn, emphasis on that motherfucking senior. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. <laughs> Put some respect on it. Um, yeah, so that's now. Um, yeah, there's a lot happening in. Um, I can say this now because we put the e blast out on Thursday yesterday. Well, yeah, I don't know when you're gonna run this, but this week Monday. Last. So um, in two in a month in May, uh, we have our CEO summit in Miami. It's invite only. It's only for CEOs from fashion companies. So I'm not saying it like everybody come out to Miami. It's not one of those. <laughs> However, um, I am hosting a panel with, uh, and it's the focus is on diversity in the fashion industry. Um, So on my panel will be uh, the chief uh, of diversity and inclusion at Macy's, Mm. uh, the chief marketing officer for Reebok. And if you do or don't know Tammy Roman, do you know Tammy Roman? Yes, she, yes. From um, the, she was a she started the whole original reality tale with Rose. Yeah, lives, and now she's on a BET series. She's doing some acting, and she's on the panel with me. So we're going to be talking about we're taking this topic head on. That's the next big thing, like the big conversation. I shouldn't say the next; it's the current conversation. Is I was just about to ask you that. So, in this, do you think that this will like? grow in the sense that we shouldn't keep seeing the repeat of in my opinion like I just feel like it's just one of those stab in the faces it's not even a stab in the back no more like it's a stab in the face to see people come out with a noose as you know these like is this something that you think will continue to and and start to tag team with other fashion designers I think it is I think that people um I think people are starting to get it um 
I think that it's happening way too slow that brands are starting to understand. So one of the things, like my idea for this panel is that uh, how do we bridge this gap between awareness and action? Mm. We're almost hyper aware. Like everyone's like, yeah, yeah, diversity. Mm-hmm. Let's make everything black. Sprinkle right. Some it, sprinkle some Hispanic in it, whatever. And awareness cannot ever replace action. Yes. And I think that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's this thing that like um, I learned about like, in like, I don't know, there's a theory, like, when you watch the Save the Children commercial, and you get sad, like, people do that, and they forget, like, that makes, they feel they've done something good, they turn it off, like, well, I got sad, but I really felt bad for those kids, my community service is done today, and it's a real mental thing, like, you, you feel like if you felt something, or you talked about it, that you did something, mm-hmm. conversation is important, but when diversity is concerned and helping minorities is concerned, conversation is just never going to be enough. You have to actually do the work. So I, I want to, is that's my big cause now, is to like spread that message about the need to actually do meaningful work. Let's not just talk about, let's be about it. And what does it take to make fashion more diverse in a meaningful way? Not just sprinkling some black executive in your company and thinking you've checked a box. Make sure that executive actually belongs they feel like they belong you didn't just hire them to fill a quota and then making sure that your marketing messages reflect that and they're authentic it's not again sprinkling in a minority so i think that's the next big thing i think that brands know they have a vested interest now in making that happen so i think you'll start to see it get better is there um a way to find out what are some of the top African-American brands uh, that are out there that you think might start coming to the forefront? I don't, I, so I try to, when we do like um, for Black History Month, I try to highlight um, like young uh, or, or not just young, that sounds ages, but African-American and Hispanic, well, not for Black History Month, but elsewhere, like these young people that are starting brands, but as well as those the ones that are moving up in brands that exist to make a difference, like you know, like Virgil Abloh with Off White, and now he so he started he had that brand, and then he so does, but now he's the uh, creative director at Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like I cover this uh, this guy, his name is James Whitner, and he opened a bunch of like he has a shop. Atlanta, like a bunch of luxury uh sneaker and apparel boutiques because i'm gonna be honest with you like that's my main issue like how they like you were saying like awareness and i'm gonna let you go because i know i'm passing my time but like the awareness part of it and then putting forth the action my problem is that i don't feel like there's enough and this this could be my ignorance i don't feel like there's there's enough black brands and i'm not even just talking about high fashion i don't feel like that there's enough black brands out there where the average community like the average uh income um family can purchase these products i feel like now we're doing these t-shirts and everybody want to be on a t-shirt brand and this that and other it's like no i actually wear regular clothes some days too so (laughs) what are those about because i've done my due diligence in finding out Black, I again, I have, I, I don't have one on my show today, but I've done my due diligence and found out who owns, who's black owned wineries. I can, you know, owns their own wine. They make their own wine and they're black. It's two sisters that do their own wine and they're black. And there's another chick, you know, she does. I know these people. One of my favorite ones is actually Love uh, Corkscrew. Um, Love Corkscrew. And she's sold out in Tub and Tuck. I think she's in Target. And she's in another store, but you could also get her online. But where are these black brands that I feel like normal working American, African-Americans can purchase? The short, I think that there are some. I don't know what the price points. I know there are some. I think that the the bear- price points I've been seeing have been two hundred to four hundred dollars worth of pieces. That's about right. I mean, because the thing is, is there's not like. Then you're talking about now about the complicated nature of production when it comes to shoes and clothes. So what happens is you're like, these issues are, they're faced by not just black 
designers, period, like the barrier to, barriers of entry to fashion are very high. Mm. So no matter what your race is, you're going to have the production issues. And by the time you find a factory that maybe can wear your product, can make whatever vision, it's pro- you're probably going to have to charge the price points that you're seeing or something like that in order to like stay in business. So I think that a lot of minority designers find themselves needing to align with a brand at first, like in order to be successful, like most, most designers that try to start a brand fail. They just, that's not black, white, Hispanic. It's just what it is. The kids that come out of FIT with these design degrees, it's just, Everyone can't be successful. There's only so many brands that will take off. So I think that's probably a part of what you're seeing. And then there's also the fact that if you are you if you are a minority, you might find certain stereotypes will follow you into the workplace or into the design space where you want to take off, you want to find investment. So that that's another thing that we talk about a little bit, that women have a hard time getting investments when they start brands. And black women um, in particular as well. Black Every everything you see is hyper. It's it's exaggerated when you get to black women than Hispanic and women. Right, I was just about to say that. And so we talk about that all the time. Like I don't know. Do you know like the gender wage gap? Like the eighty cents women make to the to every man's dollar. Well, for African American women, I think it's like sixty something cents or seventy cents. For Latina women, it's fifty three cents, and which means like if you they do it like. Um, equal payday so like that's how many extra days into the following year a woman works to make what a man make made last year have you ever heard of that no so like man like let's say when you hit december what we all earned for the year in order for a woman to catch up with what a man made that year all women on average work until april to meet what he made in december right yo if you're african-american you work till august as a woman that, that's how far into the following year you work to make what a white man made the year before. If you're Latina, you work till November. So you work almost white, uh, Latina women work almost two years to make what a man makes in a year. So everything that, so women have it hard and then African American women have it statistically when you talk about these kinds of things harder and Latina women have it even, Hispanic Latina have it even more more hard so the hardest so it's the same thing when you talk about like starting a brand everybody has has a tough time and then when you're a minority that's on another level like you're not you're a woman that's hard you're african-american it's harder no one wants people don't want to invest you have to have people invest unless you're like a trust fund baby if you're a designer and you want us to have a clothing brand and you're black you got to find someone that's going to invest a bank, an investment firm, a hedge fund, whatever. And chances are that they, you might be sitting across from a table of, of older white men that may not relate to you. If you're starting an urban mm. brand and you're a woman and you're coming in and you're talking about these concepts, it might be a harder sell for you. That's just what it is. And so you can see how these processes and barriers become systemic. Wow. I think that 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 basically breaks it down just like because I think we can all make these assumptions. But if you're not in the business or know about the business, then you really don't know at all. You're just making an assumption. But, you know, you're you're a reasonably intelligent person. You can look at it and say, "Mm, I I can see that this is doesn't I don't see a lot of black designers. How come if I Google it, I can't find anybody? And then that's pretty much why you see what you see. Wow, that's pretty heavy. That was heavy. I wasn't expecting conversation to get that heavy. Like that was pretty heavy. What let's and bring it back down just a little bit so we can go ahead and close it out. I'm going to end with some fun questions. Oh, yes. What is your favorite brand of shoes? I cannot say that. (laughs) I knew you was going to say that. I don't know why. I just (laughs) knew you was like, I can't say. um, Favorites. Um, I, I will say I'm very much into comfort. Um, we recent this, uh, in 2018, we gave, uh, Fila the shoe of the year for this, the disruptors. Mm. You, you know, those shoes, the big chunky shoes that came back. I wear them all the time. 
because they are. Can I tell you a secret? What? I do not like those shoes. I think they're so comfortable. I've never tried them on, but just from the the look, the aesthetics, like I just I can't get with it. Yeah, I like them because I also like I um I hurt my knee a couple years ago and my like and it's not like a you know really serious injury, but if I'm like walking around Manhattan all day, you walk all the time. Like I'm walk I walk at least thirty to forty minutes a day every day at least that so if i'm like i can't i'm not gonna be walking around heels even if i wear boots and they don't have the right kind of cushion like you know your, your feet cramp up at night like you know i'm not i'm not 21 anymore i, mm. I want to wear the right shoes yeah. so if i'm walking i wear because i know each day i'm going to be walking i try to keep on sneakers and i have like i have a little mini closet at my desk i have about i keep about like eight or nine pairs of shoes at my desk for like various things. I can't like believe I, it. Like I would want to see. I want to see your closet. Like, yes, it, it's very unorganized. So, is it you, true that you get these perks? Like people just give you free shoes? Like, no. I, that's another thing that I, I I see no evil here, no evil. I know nothing of what you talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we just sometimes try different shoes so that we can write about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, we charge you well. So yeah, we write, we write about shoes. And so there's a lot of like trying and sampling. What do you do to stay grounded? I have a child. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't never lie. Listen. I, um, like when I first started doing things with like, like a few of the celebrity things that, that we've done here and there, or even if you go to like a, you know, a press preview and they're um, showing you cool shoes and rolling out the red carpet, especially when, when my, Quincy was smaller, when my son was smaller, and you would do all these fabulous things. I would come home and I'm like wearing my cute shoes and I walk and he would always spit up on me like just a little, like, like he would do a little something where I call it a God wink, like, like stay humble. And I was just like, about to say that, you know, but that's a, that's like a big saying is that they say it ain't nothing like a child that will humble you. A child will humble you, even if it's them telling you the truth about yourself because they can't nobody else do it. They will humble you. It's something every day that reminds me to stay humble. I also feel like, I mean, I think I I love what I do, but I'm I'm an editor. I write about fashion. It's not like I'm not Beyonce. It's not like I'm I'm not, like my head's not that. I, I don't think anybody has a reason to not be humble. I don't care if you are Beyonce. I don't think that there's no reason. There's nothing you can achieve to me. This is my theory. In this life that will ever justify a lack of humility. I just think that. And I agree with that 100%. Oh, we, you know, we're here. 100, 1,000%. I think it was Deepak, Deepak Chopra says, first of all, he said we say these things in a mirror to ourselves. Yeah. I am beneath no one. I am fearless. And I am immune to criticism. Mm. And the reason I love that saying is because the first part of it, I am beneath no one. So okay. to me, that says basically what you were saying. That says no matter how much money you got in the bank, no matter how popular you are, I don't give a darn how many flowers you got. I don't care how many records you done sold, how many TV shows you done been on. I don't care how I don't care what you've done. We yeah. are still on the same level. Amen. We are all human beings at the end of the day. I love that. That's my th- that's my mantra. I just don't. And in our industry, there's a lot of celebrities and designers, and that's just something I wouldn't. Ed- I thought it was my Caribbean upbringing because we're just like that. Like I don't believe in like making God like deitizing people. Like I just mm. I a person, and I I, I don't buy into the oh you know it, such and such is he's on the way. Let's make this a certain way, and oh if, when he walks in, we all have to do. I just can't do it. And I don't, and I don't want that. I'm not in a position where anyone would do that for me. Let's just be frank. But I wouldn't want that done for me. Like I think, I believe in just being human. I don't. I, I like like meeting a celebrity just as much as the next guy. But you are a person, and I will not. I will right. treat you. I, I can say I loved your album. Uh, this was great that you did. I love your style, but I I don't see people as above me. I don't see myself as above people. What is it that you can tell somebody they may be going through? I know you keep saying, well, I, my story's not relatable. It's not, and to me, it's not about it being relatable. I think everything is relatable when you talk about somebody had a struggle and could have given up. What is it that you can pass on to the next person that could be going through some kind of struggle and may want to give up or may think, may be thinking about going? Because for me, like, I think your story is more relatable with as many immigrants as we have here in America now. Like, how do you tell them to not give up 
on this dream of wanting to stay here. Why? I don't know. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but they want to stay here and they see a dream. They saw a dream when they first came here, but now it just looked like it's impossible for it to happen. And they just thinking about maybe giving up. Gosh, don't, right. (laughs) Don't do it. I mean, it's, it's simple, but someone told me this, it was probably not even in the context, but like, around the time that I struggled to figure out what I was like, how I was going to make things work was that sometimes you have to, if you have to drill it down to a minute, like getting through the next minute, not even the next day, get through each minute and just hang on. Mm. Like you don't give up because you don't know how close you are. Have you ever seen, there's like this picture of this guy that's about that's drilling and he's about to give up and he's just about to break through. He can't see it. Yeah. I did see that illustration. that is how I felt. Like I always had this feeling like it could be tomorrow. It could be somewhat, my phone could ring right now. And it then, and it did like event there was, you know, I got through each minute, each hour, each day, and then the phone did ring. And, and so this is the last note. Someone said this to me and it was in the context of the struggle that you can get. I might've said this to you before that you can get glad in the same underwear you were sat in. Oh, I'm like, you don't even have a minute to change your underwear yet, and it could change that quick. I do remember that. And I always held on to that. It's all this is like sounds fluff, but literally, you just you were wanting to give up. Just don't. Yeah. Figure out what it takes to get through thirty seconds. Yeah. What do I have to do to get through this next minute? And you keep doing that. Yeah. And before you know it, it'll be the next day, or it'll be an hour from now, and the phone does ring. Or you get that email. It, it, it happens. I'm, I'm living proof of it. And you are too. I am. Thank you, you for that. Are. Sometimes I got to remind myself of that. Yeah, I, I still tell my Dara stories. Oh, Sheena Vina. Motherhood, the juggling the balls and that the kids are the only balls you don't drop. Yeah, I do. And the fact that you keep saying that back to me gives me such like goosebumps sometimes, because honestly, it's the fact that you I may have wrote it. But can I be honest with you? It's the fact that you keep repeating it back to me that keeps playing in my head. So even though I wrote it, a lot of stuff I write, I wrote like my book I'm sitting on right now, like I'm sitting on a book. And honestly, I don't know why I'm sitting on it. I think there is a big part of me that's like, do I really want to put this much of my my personal life out there because there is a big I know people think I'm transparent and I am but there's a big part of me that's like this is a very vulnerable time for me that was like right after my divorce I literally wrote about everything that I was going through Mm -hmm. and to put that out there is like I don't know if I'm ready for that yet but it's the fact that I write stuff and a lot of times I forget that I wrote something so the fact that you kept saying it back to me I was like oh wait I did write that didn't I and it's like one and I wasn't even a mom yet. But you I, weren't. I remember that. I was not. And I, but I, without, like, it was like you planted a seed mm. and didn't even know you planted it. And then it would, it would, it would spring up at all. Like my son's gonna be five in two weeks, but it would spring up all the time. Wow. Would be, and so, like, those are the things that you don't like. That's powerful. Oh, Sheena, don't make me cry. You gonna make me put my look. You gonna make me put my book out tomorrow. Tomorrow on air, you're gonna be on with in conjunction with the podcast, and then next on Amazon, you can. Girl, listen. When I when I tell you it is coming, it is coming though. So you know, you guys can look forward to that. You gotta put it out. You have you'll have people coming up to you in the streets telling you what I just did all the time. Like there, that one poem (laughs) through my divorce. Or through, you know, through motherhood, through insert XYZ here. Yeah, it's poems and it's short stories. But tell us, um, where can they follow Sheena? Or do you want you want them follow Sheena? You want them following foot foot uh, footwear news? Do both. Okay, tell them where they can follow both. I, I take over. Um, so my Instagram is she is so Sheena. She S-H-E-N-A. is so Sheena. I am so Sheena. That's with two E's and Sheena. And then so that's I am so S-H-E-E-N-A. Yep. So she is so Sheena on Instagram and uh, Footwear News is on Instagram. I am also on Twitter under that name. My Twitter is verified with like two 
200 followers. I don't tweet. <laughs> I don't know why they verified me because I don't even use it. They verified you? Yeah, it's verified with like uh, 200. It's a little more than 200. And that's pretty much where. And then you can follow my author page on Footwear News for all my stories. Yeah, so there you have it. My friend since like 2000, I want to say seven, no, eight, 2008. <laughs> November, November, it was November 2008 that we actually met. And uh, she is now the senior editor at Footwear News. And you can follow her as she is so Sheena. And also at Footwear News and catch up on a lot of that um, new footwork action that's going to be coming out. Thank you so much, Sheena, for doing this interview and this conversation. Sheena tonight was sipping on some cab. I'm not really sure what brand it was because she didn't share it with us. But I, t- I was sipping on Cupcake Malbec, and it was nice and smooth, like I like my men. <laughs> we out this beer.